Hey, Marcus. You like movies? Yes, I do. Well, that's good to hear because this is a movie podcast called Zebras in America. It's an American podcast about movies and sometimes about zebras. Really rarely about zebras. Rarely about There's, zebras. Rarely. Sometimes about the movie that Zebras in America is based off of, but usually not. This is episode 129. I uh, just want to remind everybody Black Lives Matter. Also, if you're listening right now, we are in the midst of the quarantine, so we are recording remotely. But if, but as I say lately, hi Doug, also, if you're listening in the future, hopefully there is a future and we try to make our episodes timeless. And we have some guests here today. Uh, Marcus, would you like to introduce our guests? Of course. Yeah, this is uh, this has been a long time coming, so if any of you listen to Zebras or read uh, Pinland Empire or made a point to check out Scott's, you know, best films of the last decade, uh, if you're familiar with our, 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 our Venn diagram of things, then you know that we're big fans of Patrick Horvath and Dallas Hallam. Uh, but a lot of it has to do with mainly entrance. We talk mainly about entrance and diner, get it. But, you know, they've directed other films that we're big fans of, especially their segment in Southbound. So it's like, we're just glad to have them on because you got, it's been a continuous thread. Like, your films have come up a lot on this podcast, a lot in our film writing. And, you know, me and Patrick got to know each other a lot through Twitter. We have some mutual friends, you know, Alan and Chris. Uh, shout out to those guys. Those are good friends of mine. So, um, yeah, it only seems right. Even, you know, and I love the fact that even other movies... For example, there was a great episode where Scott and I did, uh, we went to go see Unsane, um, and then just before we recorded, we were both kind of like simultaneously just like, not to call Soderbergh a copycat, but we were just like, did this remind you of Entrance like a lot, a lot? And we were, and we were both kind of, and Scott was like, I was just thinking that, so. Yeah, I was know. like, try, I was like watching Unsane trying to not whisper into Marcus's ear, like, yo, I saw this movie before. Right, it was called, right. It was, it was called Entrance, though. Yeah. But, yeah, so so for, for the listeners, y'all know that one of our favorite movies of the past decade, as apparently also Stephen King, is y'all film Entrance. And I just love it because it... I, I watch movies not knowing anything about movies, so I didn't know what I was going into. Marcus was just like, you gotta see this movie... It's fucking good. And I'm just like, what is this? This movie's really slow. It's really depressing. It's really sad. And then all of a sudden, the last 15 minutes, it's like, bam! Like, what the fuck is going on? And yeah, You know, it, it, it's funny. So former guest of the show, Chris Funderburg, years ago saw that I was, like, retweeting a lot of Patrick's artwork because Patrick is also an artist. And, and Patrick also, and Chris also knew that I was a fan of Entrance. This is from years ago. And then I guess Chris somehow knew. He texted me. He was like, you know the guy whose art you're retweeting? He's the guy that co-directed that movie, Love. And I was like, what? And he was like, Intr I was like, really? That's the same person? Like, I had no, I just didn't put the names together. And then so from that moment on, it's just kind of been like a, you know, a really cool thing. And I remember Dallas, you know, you seemed to be on social media a few years ago, but you've kind of like fallen back a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that a correct assessment? No, no, yeah. no judgment. No, no oh, judgment no, no. I, I, no, everybody should get off the internet. It's a garbage fire unless you're getting, unless you're using the internet to, you know, get info about what's going on in the world right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I pulled way back uh, uh, about a year ago, but I've, I've been putting my toes back in. I'm starting to, starting to wade back into the internet. So and I just... Oh, go ahead, Scott. Go ahead. And I just want to say, so, like, entrance for people who is, like, the, this sort of, like, listless hipster lady, young lady, moves to, you know, a city and then has trouble finding stuff and then sh some crazy shit happens at the end. And every once in a while, I'm in many text groups and my friends will be like, you have a movie podcast, you Brooklyn hipster. Do you have any movies to recommend me? And I recommended my friend Entrance, and he's and he's just like a like a regular film dude. And he texts me after watching the movie, what I thought was the best review of the movie. Okay. Uh, he says, uh, "I I had trouble with 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 Susie's hipster style in the final scene at her going away party, 
but I suppose that was a peak indicator of the naivety that compelled her to move to L.A. Sad thing is he was the only one that ever noticed her. Of course the critics didn't understand it, found problems in its execution. But why complain about the first half of an 83-minute feature being slow? Only 27 minutes longer than Beauty and the Boss, and Stephen King loved it. That's a pretty great review. I, I definitely appreciate that. Speaking yeah. you know, I, I've always wanted to ask, do you guys ever keep, did you keep up a communication with Stephen King after? Did he reach out to you guys directly ever, or was he just like, hey, this movie's awesome? That was completely it. Um, and again, wow. just okay. so you guys know, thank you again for bringing us on board um, before we get yes. into this. Because um, it's, um, I mean, to be totally frank, like we don't, not a lot of people are really vocal about our work. And then to, and it was totally um, just fortuitous. I ran into, well, I've known Alan for a bit. And then I randomly met Crystal one of the few times he was over here in LA. And we just randomly got to talk and we got along super well. And then I, and then he found out if I told him about entrance, et cetera. Um, but, so it's um, entrance, not entrance. It's, it's both. Totally Either. both. Um, yeah. We hate, uh, total side note, it, we didn't even have a title when we made it, and it was called Slasher. It was just called Slasher when we made <laughs> wait, it. Wait, no, but, wait. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, hold on, hold on. It, it, it's better than that. It, it was called Slasher, but it was R-E at the end. <laughs> oh, well, see, now I'm kind of, I actually don't, okay. I actually kind of like that. That's what the clapboard said. Yeah. Um, the uh, but but seriously, thank you guys so much for um, all your support over the years, man. It's been unreal. Of course. Like it's been so cool, and it's honestly, it's one of those things where like you know, anytime you make something creatively and you put it in the world, mm-hmm. you're immediately being like, is it shit? I don't know if it's shit. Is it is it good? And it's yeah. just like you go and back and forth. It's been such a uh, a really um, wonderful thing just to have your guys' support. So thank very you. much so. Um, yes. well, you know, I, I, yeah. I didn't even mention too, like Pat for like the last two years consistently, Patrick has been doing like really cool artwork for Pinland Empire too. So he's so that's like um, so that's really really been awesome. Yeah, mm. which I appreciate. Yeah, we got it. We got to get you to do a zebra's logo one of these days. 100%. Oh, of course. Just of course. give me. Just say the word and I'm down. Oh, you already said it. I'll just right. do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, just the uh, King send question. me. Send... Oh no, you wanted the, the yeah. Oh, go ahead. Just a just a to sew up the Stephen King question. Haven't heard a peep. <laughs> he randomly wow. he randomly saw it on like iTunes. Yeah. yeah, totally saw it cold. And then we were I, we were both at our day jobs and we got an email. It's just like a ho hum email from IFC being like, "Hope hope you're having a good summer." Um, apparently Stephen King saw Entrance and loved it. He's going to take out a couple pages in Entertainment Weekly to write about it. Right. And we were yeah. like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, it, like, no, it, it was not connected to any sales rep yeah. or management thing or anything. It was just, he just wanted to fill up, fill up some pages that day. And that was, the, he saw the movie. But I, luckily, the thing, he just though, grabbed he it on iTunes. His ongoing Entertainment Weekly thing had stopped. And he yeah. ended up. But he could do basically whatever he wants because he's Stephen King and they're Entertainment Weekly. So he was yeah. basically like, and, it, you know, and guys, just... listeners, the Stephen King. Yeah. Just in case. Yeah. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. it's very yeah. Googleable. You can check it out. It was just this, it was just totally random and, um, and sincerely appreciated. But we've never been able to make contact since because he's kind of got a wall around him with. Understandably uh, so. We, I imagine that, yeah. so. Yeah. We tried, we tried once. We didn't put a lot of effort into it, but we tried once to kind of. Uh, get his ear because we, because we were going to see if we could get a blurb from him for a project we were putting right. together, but um, but we didn't didn't work out, didn't get through to him. But thanks, because he's the he's the most famous American writer who's also a good writer. A good what? You you broke up a little bit. He's the most famous writer in America that's also a good writer. Because oh, so there's yeah. probably right, more yeah. famous writers. Sure, sure. But he's pretty damn famous, and he's actually a good writer. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah gu- guys, like, what's it been like working with IFC? How'd y'all get to Entrance? What are y'all working on now? Uh, what's your favorite wrestling move? Have you ever broke dance, <laughs> and have you ever smoked PCP? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jeez, I guess a lot. Uh, no, I haven't smoked PCP. Uh, favorite wrestling move, the... Uh, I can't decide between the full and half Nelson. Um, 
I guess Pat, you might... you look, you look like a sweet chin music kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Shawn Michaels. <laughs> Uh, I guess, Pat, we could probably just do like a back and forth, do a quick rundown of our, of our biography, our mutual biography. Um, sure. Pat and I met. Please. met in, uh, so I'm from Alabama and Pat's from Iowa and we met in film school in Iowa and, um, and did a lot of work together there, but not as co-directors, just working on each other's projects. And then I moved out to, L to, to Los Angeles to start trying to get something going and Pat went to Chicago, and we had a couple years where we, Pat made some films in Chicago, and Pat, please jump in at any point. Um, Pat made a couple films in Chicago, and uh, I worked on a lot of films in LA, but didn't make anything. And then when Pat moved to LA, um, he got this movie Diner going. Pat, do you wanna, do you wanna talk a little, little bit about that? Yeah, it was uh, totally random. It came out of a short film and a part of a trilogy that fell apart. And then one of the producers was like, what if we just turned it into a feature and then you write it and direct it? And I was like, well, okay. And, um, and it all just kind of happened by the seat of our pants. But um, it came like the day before we were, no, the day of shooting. And, um, and we didn't have a first AD or anything. And so mm -hmm. um, Dallas jumped aboard because he was about to... Um, uh, do his own feature as well that we were. Oh wait, no, no. Up. I was about to. I was about to go to New York, wasn't I? Um, yeah, isn't that's that true. Was, this, yeah. So I, I was a. I worked in props. I mean, of course, we all want to do something else. So we all want to be directors or whatever. But the day job was prop, props, and art department on TV shows. And then I just got a bug to move into doing AD work because I was friends with. Um, Zach Kreger and Trevor Moore. Do y'all know that show, The Whitest Kids You Know? Of course, yeah. So yeah, Trevor uh, Moore is kind of like I hate. I don't want to give hierarchy. He's kind of like the he's like the lead guy, right? He's like the tall. Yeah, yeah. He's he definitely. It was him. And, it was him. He, he was he was the co lead in, in in Miss March, the movie Miss March, right? Yes. Yeah, so I worked on Miss March, yeah, yeah. Um, which at the oh, time nice, was nice. Yeah, it was called Playboys, I think. Anyway, but uh, worked on Miss March, met those guys, and stayed friends, and then. Just we were oh, at the TE right. uh, drinking, and they mentioned they didn't have an AD for their third season, and I just said, well, maybe I should just come to New York and AD it, and so just as a lark, um, did did that, and was supposed to leave. Had never AD'd anything before, um, and luckily for me, they kept pushing the date, and so to jump in where Pat was was uh, to let Pat pick back up here they were supposed to start start working on Diner and they didn't have an AD. So I, I jumped in really just to get some um, practice, AD, practice ADing before going to New York. So that he literally jumped on that first night of shooting on Diner and oh. AD'd awesome. the whole thing, which only took like, it was like eight nights of shooting. I think we shot Diner in like eight or nine nights. And then um, we ended up uh, uh, finishing that up and it worked pretty well. And then Dallas was gonna do a feature Called Land of um, Land of Dust and Water. Yeah, and so then, Pat was going to return the return the favor. Yeah, he was going to eat that, on that and it fell through. So this is like the summer of two thousand nine, right? right? Had a little, maybe? yeah, yeah. Had a little bit of money, um, not much, but uh, definitely did not have enough to make this movie I was dreaming about making. It was a movie with shadow boxes and body horror and all this stuff that a lot that, of makeup and effects a lot, a lot, of, of, a lot yeah. of stop motion animation a very no ambitious clue. artsy horror movie yeah just and had like eight thousand dollars and really just no clue what i was thinking and um was gonna get i was gonna get married soon as well and so kind of knew that i couldn't get married and then just like spend literally every dime i had so that's why we we rushed into making something else and um, I can tell you that the pitch for Entrance was, what if the Dardan brothers made a, sl made a slasher movie? And yeah, Patrick said that to me, uh, couple, like 2017 he had said that, and I was just like, oh, I love, I, I just, I love that. Yeah, that, yeah. That, 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 Sorry, I had to. that summer had uh, Lorna Silence finally came out in the States from the Dardan brothers, yeah. and then sure. um, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 finally came out. And we were just kind of oh. bummed out by Halloween 2. And we're like, what if, God, wouldn't it be great if we could just do like a slasher film 
version of like a Dardenne film. And then that's kind of essentially what we ran yeah. with because we figured we could do it pretty easily. Yeah, a full-on slasher movie. It was important to us that it was was a, a, an actual slasher movie with no apologies for being what it was and yet had this tone. And, the, and the, that tone and that the, the kind of sharpness and the dryness that using the Dardans as, as anchor points gave us really allowed us to make something for no money that, that still felt like a real movie. But it was because of those, those like the strict boxes that we were working inside of. You know, that's really cool because, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not the biggest horror aficionado, but I know enough to have a conversation. And, you know, if you've been paying attention at all, like these last few years, there's such this weird separation. Like people, you know, it's like high horror or like, like certain people try to like take the horror genre and make it something that it's not or try to like put it on a different pedestal so that they can force themselves to like it. Because a lot of people for years horror was looked at as like less than of like all the yeah. genres mm -hmm. so when Patrick told me the whole Darden brothers he didn't mention the Rob Zombie connection but still just the whole idea of like a horror movie influenced by the Dardines really appealed to me because it just kind of I, I, I don't like when there's so much separatists separatism in movie genres and I always think horror kind of gets the brunt of it horror is always too often looked at as less than and it's like, I'm yeah. not going to name filmmakers or films, but like in recent years, there's like certain specific movies that are just traditional horror movies, but a lot of critics and fans try to make it something that it's not to make it okay for them to like it. And it's like, it's okay if like, for like a slasher film, like it's okay to like those movies. Like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is kind of just as artful as, I don't know. And, and any other movie that's considered art oh, yeah. artful. So well, it's very like, much so. Yeah. 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 That's, it's funny, too, because the Dardines, I was in school uh, my fourth year in college. I was in Rome for a couple of months, and I saw my first Darden Brothers movie uh, in Rome. It, it was The Sun. Oh, yeah, that's um, the first one I saw, too. That's, uh, yeah, and I saw, it, it was, well, it was weird. I had to, it was in Rome, and the movie's it's spoken in French, so I had to get this woman who worked at the theater, she had to, like, explain the premise of the movie, because I'm going to get the English <laughs> subtitles. She had to explain the premise of the movie to me before I watched it. So, yeah, the Dardanes always hold a special place in my heart. I don't necessarily like all of their movies, but, like, as filmmakers... And I just love the fact, too, that it's, like... This, this kind of funny... It leads into my next question, just, like, filmmaking teams. It's not the rarest thing in the world, but it's still... It's not very common, so it's, like you guys working together on, you know, at this point, as far as, like, co-directors, three films, how does that work with, like, an actor or a cinematographer where it's, like, if one of you are off doing something else and an actor comes up and asks just one of you a question, are you guys kind of like-minded where, like, your actors know, eh, I can ask one and I know the other one will agree, or do they usually talk to both of you? Like, how does that di directing team process work? See, well, when we did Entrance, it worked out super well because Dallas shot the whole thing... And I was just right by him. The, the crew was literally Dallas and myself and Chris Dowski doing sound and Susie. And that was like the movie for like 90% wow. of it. And it wow. was just, and we, I also worked a bunch in reality show doing, um, doing camera assistant work. And if you know anything about mm -hmm. non-union reality shows, you have to do the lighting and grip work too. Um, but they don't pay it for the extra stuff. Anyway, but I had oh. uh, familiarity with lights and grip work. So um, okay. we lit i mean it's not like an expertly lit film but i mean it's it's serviceable and um and we ended up just kind of taking care of all the different things we needed to the only stuff that we got crazy with was like the last sequence um right. because it was yeah. obviously nuts and yeah, we, had, a lot we of help. had yeah we had help on that but um but then when we got to pack two when we directed that that was like a completely different experience because it was a whole apparatus around us um, and it was like, you know, the budget for Pack 2 I think was like 400 something thousand. Mm -hmm. um, and we made entrance for like close to 10,000. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, I mean, but we shot it, it for whatever. eight and we, yeah, we, we raised yeah. like two more thousand after that to finish it. Wow. But, um, all, well, yeah, I, well. It worked out. But, you know, it's funny because, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, but to kind of answer your question, like Pat and I, we, we, we would always have a strategy oh you'll do this and i'll do that but what it came down to i think is that we're both just really respectful of each other so we we were, we're super different artistically 
as individuals, but then as a team, we just let that mind meld happen. And the, the mutual respect meant that an actor sure. could ask him something and there was, there was never a, 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 a further discussion. It would just be whomever was closest to the person being asked. It was, we were, it was really, really simpatico. We also, right. Dallas and I share this um, every once in a while, we'll have this sync up of our brainwaves where it's like sort of uncanny. Um, which happened way back for the first time in Iowa when I was um, I was going to ask him. It just something came to my head. It was like, man, that's a change of subject. But like, do you know what's really cool? And Dallas goes, what the one inch punch? And I was like, I was going to talk about the one. Yeah. Wow. That's, 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 that's a true <laughs> story. Not sequitur. Wow. So we and just call those that, moments the one inch times. punch moments. Yeah. Yeah. So then, what was it like though, going from that budget from you know in trance? to the pack too, which not not the largest, biggest budget thing, but it's like, as far as budget, it, as far as comparison goes, it's kind of like night and day. So what was that? Oh, it was way, I mean, it was huge, like, huge difference. Yeah, yeah. sure, sure. Um, but, but, but it, and, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Pat. Oh, I was gonna say, I was gonna say that there, there's just, there's areas where there's more freedom, um, but most of the areas, I would say there's less freedom in the bigger, yep. that bigger budget. Now, if we, if we, if we're talking like a, $20 million movie, that's different. But at that, mm -hmm. at that half a million dollar level, there was, there was just enough apparatus to get in the way where you, you just couldn't move quickly, where everything yeah. was a big pain in the ass to do. And you, you, know, you couldn't turn the camera because there were, there were uh, trailers in the way and nobody to move them because the budget wasn't big enough. Um, so, I mean, so there were things about it that were nice being a bigger movie, but... Um, but uh, overall, I mean, I felt I felt like we had a lot more freedom with entrance. Oh, sorry, Pat, I didn't mean to answer for both of us there. Oh, no, sure. that's 100% yeah. the answer for me, too. It was basically enough money on pack two to get into trouble, but not enough to get out of it. Um, <laughs> wow. So okay. we would yeah, find ourselves that's just perfect. handcuffed in many ways where it's like, all right, we got you a generator. We're going to park it here and whatever. And it's like, cool, but we also have to show this part of the house as well. They're like, you can't. That generator's in the way now. Or like, there's nobody you know, to I mean, move it's it. Just a, it's a whole bigger thing. Um, I mean, entrance was literally just like, let's take this camera out. Let's just go make this movie. Uh, sure. What do we have at our disposal? And then it was sure. the house, and it was Karen's house. Who's, yeah. Karen's the roommate. And <clears throat> we just rode a part for Karen, and and she wanted to die in it. And so then that was <laughs> it. She's like, I'll be in the movie. I just want to die. And, um, no and one dies it. in the movie. If you haven't watched the movie, no one dies. It's <laughs> yeah. a yeah, slow spoilers. film. Totally, yeah. totally it's boring. a slow film. It's, you know what's interesting though? It's ten. This is the tenth year of that movie. Like we wow. finished it. In oh shit! 2012. Wow. Oh yeah. We finished. And we finished just, shooting at the end of 2009, and then we um, we screened it the first time in August of 2010. Yeah, like and then it took a little bit. Of, and then it took and when, when, Oh, go ahead. Whenever I talk to like friends who like want to create something, whether it be a movie or a music video or or an album with practical, you know, instrumentation or something, I I go, look, if this is, this is your first project, this is your second project. Base 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 what you want to do with what you have access to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The if don't create some crazy shit. And then be like, wait, I ha I have ten thousand dollars. Be like, okay, I have my friend has a limousine for two days. Write something about a limousine. Yeah. Right, I have right. access to a baby grand piano tomorrow. Write something for the baby grand baby grand piano. If you want, if you want to use a two hundred year old zither, and you don't have access to it, that's not the project for it. You have to make it work. Yeah. So you're like, I have a house. I have a little bit of money for practical effects. This is what I'm going to do. That's and then you won't be disappointed. Yeah. We ended yeah. up, um, when we, we had that, the house is unreal. It's just three, yeah. it's got like a, it's two, two level house, but then it's got like three patio things in the back, which in right. Silver Lake is crazy. But um, yeah. the, uh, so we had the house and then we had Susie and then Susie yeah. worked at that coffee shop. And this yeah. is again, taking a page out of the Michael Mann slash, um, uh, Jean-Pierre Melville book, but like nothing's cooler than watching people do stuff that they're good at. And yeah. so, yeah. so we were like, let's have Susie working where she works because she knows exactly how to exactly. make a latte and she does it good. You know, uh, one of yeah, yeah. One of always... my 
I was going to say this real quick because I just listened to, I haven't listened to too many episodes of Zebras, but I am catching up now. And I just, oh, I just listened to the um, Richard Stanley episode, which I, I liked a lot. Thank you. And Thomas. someone, I can't, I don't, I'm not sure whose voice it was, but someone was talking about Hal Hartley and, um, oh, I, 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 more than likely it was me if it was Hal Hartley. Yeah. Scott doesn't love Hal it Hartley. Could it, 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 it could have been me too. No, I said Hal but I, I remember that in, in, a, in, a, in a collection of Hal Hartley screenplays, there was some commentary, and he was talking about just finding opportunities to film people doing things that they could do well, just doing them. And so we, we carried that into entrance as well, just the, the joy of watching things get made or people... I mean, if you don't like it, a lot of people watch the movie and don't like it, but uh, I think for a lot of people it's kind of hypnotic to watch someone just go about their day in a way that's really uh, realistic and efficient and make it mo using movements that they mo they've moved, that they, that they do over and over again every day. There's something interesting and about it, that. And especially in an entrance, it plays around with expectations of what slow cinema of the time was doing. Just so, say that. Yeah. so like, it at first you're like, oh, is this a mumblecore movie? And then, and then you're like, no, actually it's not. It, it so it, it plays with this oh it's very slow and there's these little things and what is happening and there's this like um, hipster ennui of of listlessness going on and then something something veers veers left and that is what's really satisfying to me and I just want I just want to say uh, one thing and then ask a question um, ask two questions actually so the first thing is I have varying opinions about about uh, Quentin Tarantino, uh, but one of my favorite scenes is in Kill Bill 2, is when Bill, you finally meet Bill, and he's just making a sandwich for, for his daughter, and you can tell he's made that sort of sandwich before, because he's like perfectly cutting, cutting the crusts off and adding the mayo, the mustard or whatever, and yeah, it's just... You know when someone knows what they're doing, and even it's as, it's as simple as making a latte. The latte is not actually simple because the reason why, for the people that don't know, uh, the reason why people do latte art is actually not to be fancy. It's to show that the milk or the oat milk or whatever is at the correct temperature because if you can make the art, that means that it's the right temperature. Oh, I didn't know that. For, no, I didn't yep. even know that either. See? That, that, yeah, and I've, and I've never been a barista, but I know that shit because I'm a fucking weirdo. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so it's just nice to see somebody do that. Uh, or like the movie Spanglish is an okay movie, but the fact that Chef Heller, I think it is, spent like a week with Adam Sandler to teach him how a chef would make an egg sandwich at home, like the little ways that you would flip the bacon. Like, yeah, yeah. I like that. That mm -hmm. that's that's love to me. But yeah, so I hear you guys are Hal Hartley fans. So, what are your favorite Hal Hartleys? And uh, <laughs> you know, obviously, you know, aside from Red Oaks, which is my which is one of my one of my like deep cut Amazon shows that he did most of the episodes of. And oh, what wow. what's what's yeah? No one's watched that. I've show. never even heard of it. It's, yeah, me either. This is Dude, that's brand new to uh, me. Uh, David Gordon Green. That's that's uh, that's Martha Washington, right? George Washington. George Washington. George yeah, Washington. Yeah yeah. 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 So David Gordon Green had a TV show on Amazon for three seasons that I've been talking about on this show forever, and he and Hal Hartley and two other like classic directors directed all the episodes. Oh, Holy shit! And it's there's just so much. So, there's just so much stuff. Three seasons. Like yeah. like in a different yeah. three seasons. That's awesome. So so it's like. So it starts out like in any 80s movie premise and then and then what if an 80s movie didn't end and what if it was directed by your favorite independent directors? That's mm -hmm. awesome. And guess what? It's great. <laughs> and the punchline is it's splendid. It's splendid. It's uh, I think about it sometimes and I cry because I want to know what happened to the characters. What's it called? Red, Red, Red Oaks? Oaks. Okay. I believe so. This, I don't, you know. You know, it's funny, Scott. Your question is what literally first drew me to uh, 
Patrick's Twitter account because I'm a big no such thing defender. Yeah, that's my that, that, that was my number yeah. one from him. So much so that when I, I there, there's a couple of just like completely coincidental things that uh, another coincidental story I'll tell later. But like when I was I go well, to no t- such thing as a great movie. Wait, wait. Yeah, but a lot of people don't think that. Though. Wait, which I, which I one is that? Can you guys remind me of which the one? monster? The, oh, the, I, I love that one. And the oh, I a love lot of people that. And when I was at TIFF, I was yeah, at TIFF a last... fucking fireball, bro. At, at, at 2019, TIFF last year, I was in line for a long time, and just at the last minute, I turned and looked down, because she's very short, and Sarah Polly was oh, right cool. next to me, but like, but for 40 minutes. Oh, wow. And then finally, I was just like, um, hey, uh, just so you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of yours, uh, I love huge your work, blah, 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 huge fan. you know? And then she was just like, "Oh, thank you. That you know, it's so nice." She's like, "What do you? Are you a filmmaker?" I was like, "No, I just I, I write movie reviews and stuff." She's like, "What site?" And I was like, "Pinland Empire." And then she was like, "Oh, wow, you wrote that? I wrote this really long thing about Sarah Polly." But then she was like, "Oh, my assistant sent that to me. That's so nice." And I was just like, "Yeah, I'm also a No Such Thing defender." She's like, "No, no, I know. I read what you wrote about No Such Thing." I was like, "Oh, holy shit, nice. that's really cool." Because No Such Thing is kind of like the first. It's like the first post 9-11 movie, but it was made before 9-11. Sure. I think that's why I love that movie so much, because it's, a lot of, it, it's a very, a big theme of that movie is like impeding doom on New York City. And also in the film, you know, Sarah Polly's character gets into a plane accident. It's like yeah. the whole vibe of that movie is like something bad is going to happen soon. And then a few months later it did. So He's so great but, but, oh, but to give trauma. To, to give clarity, Patrick was doing this whole series of tweets of, like, his favorite movies from, like, every year that he was born. And right away, I recognized... I mean, you recognize um, um, Bob Bob Burke as the monster. And I was like, wow, someone else loves No Such Thing. You know, and it's really cool, so... But Dallas, what are your... What are your... uh, You know, actually, you know, through Twitter, everyone who listens to the show, I think a lot of people are familiar with, like, Patrick's influences, like, from Hal Hartley to Michael Mann to... uh, the, the beyond and stuff, but because I guess, you know, Dallas, you're kind of the the lesser known social media guy, like you're on social media, like what are your, you know, outside of your favorite Hal Hartley film, like what other um, what stuff do you like? Well, I'll, I'll do the Hal Hartley quick. Um, sure. To be honest, uh, this is a cop-out answer, but they kind of all bleed together. You, do, do y'all know that band Lungfish? No, no I don't. Lungfish yeah. is this this wonderful wonderful band. Uh, they're they they're on Discord. At least they were. I'm not sure if their new records are, but they um a a, a, cl- a, a pretty normal review of Lungfish is that like every album sounds the same, but if you're a fan of the band, you know you love the way it sounds and you just can't get enough of it. Um, I like that. I already know where you're going. With yeah, this, that's why I love Hal Hartley so much. Yeah. And they just kind of big on consistency. They're yeah, exactly, especially his first like handful of movies. I, I they all kind of I, I think I watched them all in this in a certain period of my life, and they all just bleed together. Like I, I can imagine images from them and scenes from them, but I can't. If I was to say a favorite, my my aunt my favorite answer is more of just a nostalgia answer, and it'd be amateur. And uh, that one sure. actually is kind of different than, than some of the others, but the, mainly because um, I'm 40 now. I'm not sure how old all y'all are, but I remember... 38. Okay, so yeah. 37. So, so you guys yeah, were around like, like in film, when Film Threat had its first incarnation, when it was on the newsstands and was like a cool thing. And right. um, the first, I just, within the first couple issues of Film Threat that I bought as a, as a burgeoning cinephile, Amateur was on the cover... And I think City of Lost Children was advertised on the back, and or maybe it was Crumb at the time. These were movies I could never see because I was in Alabama. Yeah, well, 94, 94, 95, That makes sense. And so, so I, amateur stuck with me just from from being a kid and 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 getting getting way into films in a deeper way than I had before. But in terms of influences, um, I spent a, a, most of my life as a hardcore horror person, and right. then got makes, well, makes sense. Yeah, just just. Went, went way deep in, and then when I got into movies for real, that was probably, I got a job at a library, and so I was in, in high school, and that, so I started watching all the stuff like Red, White, and Blue, and The Godfather, and just everything the library had uh, that was like kind of mind-opening stuff, but still way into horror. Then went to, then went to film school, took a big break from horror, and did the whole French New Wave thing, got into uh, Godard pretty hardcore, 
And then as an adult, really landed on Tarkovsky as like the biggest influence. And I don't think my work is anything nice. like I don't I don't try to do anything like Tarkovsky. My favorite movie of all time is Nostalgia. But um awesome. they just they just it, my favorite no. My favorite movie of all time is Stalker. Oh, cool, yeah. cool, very cool. Yeah, mine's The Mirror. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah the Mirror is, is definitely like I love The Mirror. The Mirror is the oh, Mirror. Is... Uh, if I may pause for a second and ask you a question, what do you think Tarkovsky's favorite food was? Do you think it was a turnip? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that or just potatoes, like like old school. You know, pe- the people's food, just from the earth, potatoes, kind of like Pudovkin's, the, the, in the climax of Pudovkin's mother, the, I always think of the potato harvest yeah. and carry potatoes with me. But, like um, some, some sort of tuber, just, you know. Oh, definite tuber. Definitely a tuber, no okay. question. because we've had some Tarkovsky fans on the show before, uh, namely uh, M2 May Gant and um, uh, Martin Kessler, and there's, there's been a debate of the kind of foods and so the Tarkovsky turnip was was something that we discussed for a while I mean we're talking like 80, <laughs> just, episodes, makes, 80 episodes ago <laughs> and it makes sense, it makes that, sense. you know no, yeah. no whenever we uh, whenever we're like I think it's a tuber everyone's like yeah <laughs> well like I remember reading Dolly once said that he only ate food with armor with what armor Oh, <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that, but just to wrap up in terms of horror movies, I would say my like favorite horror movie answers are not very exciting for the most part. It's like uh, Texas Chainsaw, Dawn of the Dead, The Thing, you know, goes without saying. Probably my all, those are all great. Those are all great. My all time favorite horror movie, which is not a very watchable movie, is called In a Glass Cage. I don't know if you, if you guys you seen that movie. No, I, I, I don't know that. In a it's, glass uh, cage no, is good, I, but it's, it's it. like one of those, like, I don't recommend it, but, like, yeah. it's good, and I don't know if I can see it again. It's, it's hard. It's all, it's hardcore. It's like, it's like if App Pupil went all the way, and, um, yeah. shit. it's oh, great. fuck. It's great. But, okay, um, it's, what's it's, this called, what's this called again? In a glass, in a glass cage. cage. Um, it used to be on. It was on Shudder for a it bit. It was on Shudder, yeah. I don't think, I don't know if it is anymore. Shutter Shutter really does a great job of of having all the movies of the horror genre. And, and, and pretty much, you could, if you got if you get Shutter, you're looking looking at a couple hundred movies that are must watches. There's very little fat on there. Some of the new stuff is kind of fat. Some of their originals are fat, but for the most part, it's all just like red meat stuff. Yeah, you gotta it's watch. good. Or even like your vegetables, <laughs> yeah, man. They, like I, they've got. Yeah. I remember when they put up like images on Shutter. Oh, yeah. I was mm-hmm. glad to just see images making the rounds on the streaming platforms or whatever. But, like, it's one of my favorite Altman films, probably because yeah. it is yeah. it is also very... And they have, like, they have old foreign horror when I was trying to get into... Like, they have oh, all yeah. types of stuff. And because, like, horror is hardly monolithic. It's very complex. Yeah. Yeah. It of can course, go in so many directions. I hate when people try to be like... Oh, elevated horror. Yeah, elevated horror. Is yeah. The term I was thinking elevated about. horror is the most like disgust. It's like just like come on, like there there's, there's this idea that somehow some that genre is lesser than something when all fiction started as genre. Mm-hmm. Like right. fantasy was the first way that that books were written. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so then it was like then there's scary fantasy. There's scary stories. Scientific stories. Yeah. It's bullshit. Like, what's good is good is good. You like it or you don't like it. Absolutely. And, and anyth- anything has the ability to transcend its genre in, in which that it becomes a classic film for the whole, like, this is, this is uh, elevated. It's like, you know, oh, that's give a me great that Tarkovsky turnip. No, that's a great way to put it. I think uh, that it's not about, there's no, like, elevated comedy, there's no elevated anything, it's just, is it a good movie? So, okay, well, this happens to be, the thing happens to be a great movie, or or a a more recent example, Hereditary, or something that really got bandwagoned, but, uh, which which I like a lot. Or Dark Song, or Dark Song, which is, like, my favorite. I loved Dark Song. Yeah, Dark, I literally only watched that because of y'all's episode. Um, on Dark Song, I, and I had to check yeah. that one out. And I watched that one in the Wailing, like back to back. Actually, um, Pat, Pat, yeah, that makes yeah. 
Yeah, Pat turned that me on to Dark Song, so that means that that it was a yeah. game of television. That's all yeah. thanks to you all. That's all. Scott, well, that's really Scott's doing. He's the one that even put me on to, to that movie, and it's yeah, also like there's you another. Know you, kid, got, oh. you know, you got your friend that like is way too into like actual magic as a kid. Yeah, you know, sure. Like my friend, my my friend who's like really into talismans, talismans and stuff, was like, "You have to check out a Dark Song," and I was like, "Bet." <laughs> and I did because he because he also put me on to like, um, like uh, shit. I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Ger- the Gerchif. He put me on to Gerchif and like movies based off of like Gerchif are really wonderful. And and he put he made me watch The Holy Mountain when I was like 19 years old. Oh, cool. So so I was like, okay. But there's I'm that in. continuous there's that continuous thread too of zebras where it's like. We love the IFC Midnight movies. It just kind of worked out that way, whether it's like A Dark Song, Entrance, The Pat 2, Low Life. Like, all of these movies are like IFC Midnight movies. Um, I think as a, I don't know to call it a label or a distribution, but IFC Midnight really puts out some really, really great stuff. And you've, I mean, you've worked with them twice, so it's like, there's the proof right there. Yeah, and Patrick, what are some of your influences? And also, guys, what are you guys working on? If you're working on anything. The um, uh, influence-wise, um, it's a lot of uh, similarities with Dallas. I came into horror stuff later, though, probably around, like, college, and then I finally started getting into, thanks to Dallas, like, just diving in pretty headfirst. Like Hellraiser, the, like that stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, just, like, just filling in a lot of blind spots that I'd had. Um, and then, Hellraiser um, is a fun series. Oh, hell yeah. I gotta say. You know what's... Um, Another big thing that was Dallas didn't mention, but he got me, he pretty early on was just talking about, like, you got to be watching Italian horror. Like, Italian horror is where it's at. Yes. And so, Absolutely. Um, and so I started doing that, and then I was just, like, in pretty hardcore. I just rewatched, um, I didn't even, I don't remember, I don't remember this, it completely caught me off guard, but the, in Entrance, when the shit hits the fan, or is about to, spoiler alert, again, this is spoiler territory. Okay, so the, when the shit hits the fan, and we have the record cutting out with the power, um, that's a straight lift from Inferno, from uh, Dario Argento, when uh, oh, wow. it's the sequence oh, wow. with that woman and the guy that she met, and then the power starts going out along with the record. She's like running through the apartment, and then um, and that's a complete uh, Dario Argento lift. So Dario Argento, thank you. Nice. Um, <laughs> But then uh, another heavy hitter for me, just filmmaker-wise, is um, I'm also a huge Tarkovsky fan, and then I'm a huge uh, Bergman fan. Um, awesome. And I yeah. think maybe, I mean, I think at this point it'll probably change, but my favorite film is Cries and Whiskers. Wow. I had to pick one. Okay. Awesome. Good one. Um, so I like real sad stuff. Um, sure. But I also, <laughs> sure. the thing that I love about Bergman is, like, you can have a dialogue scene and it just feels like they're hacking each other to bits. Like it's, they're saying it's just the, most, as gory. the most yeah. emotionally eviscerating <clears throat> stuff to each other. Like scenes from a marriage, um, that was like edge of my seat. And it's literally just sure. like, it's like a total of like 12 scenes spread out over like, you know, almost four and a half hours or whatever. And you're yeah. just like, this, this is the stuff. Like I can't, yeah. um, I can't get enough of that. I love it. That's that's a great lesson for for low budget filmmakers. I was just Hell having yeah. a converse, conversation with some other collaborators recently, and we were talking about kind of pulling back some things that we couldn't afford. And I brought up Bergman as an example of of, of someone who creates scenes that are just as emotionally eviscerating as a big gory action scene or, or action horror scene or something. Uh, and yet it's just two people talking. And so there's there's, there's a lot you can do with just like bone crunching, soul crushing truth being spewed at the two people spewing that stuff at each other. Have either of you guys seen a married couple, the Alan King uh, Canadian documentary? No, no. I always feel like that goes perfect. I mean, this is so it's weird to say it goes perfectly with a, with um, a married couple. Uh, I mean, with um, scenes from a marriage. Sorry. Okay. It's, it's literally, it's, it's this like Alan King. He's, um, I guess Renwood is probably the most famous about the the mental uh, institution that oh, you documented. But yeah, 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 yeah. But this movie, a married couple, it's just about this Canadian couple that are just on the verge of a divorce, and they just allowed Alan King into their life to just document them. 
And it's really, like, even some of the shots, like, one's a documentary, you know, and Scenes from a Marriage is, is, like, a fiction film, but, like, some of the shots are identical, like, the tone, like, they were made around the same time in that early, mid-70s period, so it's, like, yeah. the colored palettes are similar, the carpets, the dri- like, the, the, the brown, orange, off-white colors that seem to be all anybody knew in, in, in the mid-70s. It, it's just, like, th- those two movies really complement each other very well. Oh, that's Or even, great. like, yeah. even, it, like, one some of the most horrific movies like like in the company of men is a horrific movie oh yeah oh one of the worst one of the worst like, <laughs> like it's so horrific that that someone like paypal us money to do an episode about it and we have yet to do it and and i just neither of us have the energy yeah. to to revisit the movie yeah uh cuz cuz it's it's a, it's not a very big budget and and it's disgusting, and it's it's like Neil Neil Labute, for better or worse, is a disgusting man. The way he writes, he brings out the worst in humans, which absolutely, which which often makes for great art. And yeah. in the company of men is disgusting. I don't condone anything that happens in the film, but it's a brilliant film. It's great art. The the oh, acting yeah. and the. And it's what you're. This is what you're saying. Like in the final scenes of the movie, which I'm not going to give away. It's the dialogue and the performance and the nonchalance of the delivery is what takes it over the edge. So I think that's what that's. You know, you can and and obviously the European directors that we've been talking about, or like Hanukkah is very yeah. good at like at yeah. utilizing a I mean, room. Horrific films. Another that aren't another big influence. Traditionally horror. I mean Seventh Continent, I always feel weird saying Seventh Continent's a perfect movie. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> like, Every time you bring that up crushing I movie. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, that movie that movie put me in a week long depression and I was cursing Marcus out for a yeah, week. He was. But that <laughs> makes he, a good pairing. But that makes a good pairing with with with, with entrance too, because it's kinda like where are we going with this? I think I yeah. know where we're going. And then when it finally, it's like, oh, I didn't know this was what they were going to do. Which yeah. I kind of, it's just this like intentional boredom, which I like, or like banal things to this like explosive ending. And that's why I always tell people, I recommend it in trance to so many folks. And I'm just like, look, I know your, I know your, your type. I know the kind of movies you like, but just hang in there. And it'll all, and it'll pay off in that. Well, I hate saying pay off. Jeez, that, that sounds really messed up, but it's just kind of like. It'll, no, it'll all be worth it yeah. if you just stick it out. No, it, and it, it makes the, it. it makes the last act. Oh, I'm sorry. But I, you I, know, I also say that as a, you know, I work in the mental health field, and I also say just like with depressed when I'm talking with someone that's going through a hard time, I'm like, just like a movie or whatever, just like stick with it, yeah. and like trust me that the payoff is is going to be there. Now, I'm not now obviously in the movie entrance and in life. The payoff is different, but what I'm saying is, is that it's always worth it usually to invest and and work through. Um, and I, I also recommend everyone try out therapy; it's great, especially <laughs> if you have a good therapist. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're, we're pro therapy here. Yeah, I, I, I think I heard that that emotion as well. I think it would be. I think I, if I didn't have therapy right now, it would be very difficult for me in in this time because. I'm an I'm a I'm an introvert, but I do I do like to feed off people. So you know, uh, I know that we only have a limited time with you guys. So what are you guys working on? Is there any stuff that you'd really like to bring to the table before we head out today, you tubular guys? Well, we we kind of I mean, of course, Pat and I are always open to future collaborations, and we have a handful of uh, ongoing irons in the fire. But currently, I think we're both nurturing our own uh, individual projects and they're kind of all over the map. Pat, do you want to um, talk a little bit and then I can fill in some of what I'm doing? Sure, sure. So, um, uh, most recently I worked on The Night House, which was directed by David Bruckner, Um and um, it played at Sundance earlier this year and it's going to be coming out, I don't know when, because things are a little up in the air obviously, but probably this fall. Um, but I worked on that literally designing some supernatural in-camera effects that were sort of this crazy 3D fabrication thing that I've done. I guess I can't say too much more about the actual what it is, okay. but it was a, um, 
it was totally a new job for me. I've never done anything like it, and it worked out really well. But um, but it was crazy. Um, and then uh, personally, I've got a, a screenplay that I wrote with um, a couple of uh, friends. Uh, I co-wrote it with Josh Russell of Russell Effects, who do a bunch of um, special effects stuff, including work mm -hmm. on Nighthouse. But then they also worked on Southbound. That's where I met them. Um, yeah. And then off of that movie I was working on in New York, uh, Nighthouse, we got to working up the script for a werewolf film. So um, we're kind of shopping around a werewolf film right now, which is kind of fun. Awesome. Um, Beautiful. And then um, I just did a music video, which is animated. And I'm not sure when that's coming out, but it's going to be coming out soon. And I can't wait so, to okay. show it off because it was a lot of work. Um, but, um, but it turned out pretty well. And then... Um, uh, I'm also, I don't know, I'm kind of, honestly, after working on that, um, I'm, I've also got a graphic novel that I'm in the middle of finishing, which is my own, and awesome. that'll be coming out. Yeah, because you're a dope-ass artist. I appreciate that. But Thank you're you. a dope-ass yeah, graphic yeah. artist. Here, um, here. I, I, I mean, the, the last two years, it's become, like, the highlight of my end-of-the-year end review is, like, Patrick has done the artwork for it for the last few years, and, and this, I mean... I've been watching so many movies. I already, I'm, I'm already gonna have a great list this year, so I'll be enlisting you again. Uh, you know, oh, yes. uh, keep it going. But it's always been like a, a highlight. Like people look forward to the to the collage art that he does of, of like the of the, the year end. You know, in, in movies. So I appreciate it. It's super fun to do, yeah. and I, I definitely, sure. I think moving forward, I'm just gonna be doing comics and movies, and that's all I want to do. Um, that said, awesome. though, movies might be more animated too. I'm kind of toying around with the idea of trying to see what like a shorter form animated piece would be that would just be something to do because again the times we're living in that's a lot easier to pull off um hmm. and um and i'm i don't know kind of curious i'm kind of curious what the animated world holds for me next but dallas um yeah because oh go ahead because your your style like my favorite comic book artists right now are is like giannis milanagianis ron wimberly jeff yeah. lemire jeff lemire i don't know <laughs> um like that sort of like very touchy and liney mm -hmm. sort of thing so that your artwork really works in with the sort of thing that i with the with the style that i dig very cool you know i appreciate that man thank you just wanted to say and um i do before we go uh, i do have to share this is another story of chance so I had seen Southbound when it came out, and I saw Entrance close to, like, you know, when it came out. Um, and The Pack 2 is one of those movies that I saw a couple of years later. And it's funny, so literally two days after I saw The Pack 2, I was down, I was, like, in downtown, like, around Astor Place in New York City. And I literally walked past Patrick Fischler. <laughs> oh! It's the, so, so I had to stop and go back. But it was this awkward thing because he saw me hesitate, which made it awkward because my hesitation was, he probably thinks people are gonna, like, he must get all, like, Mulholland Drive sure. yeah. references yeah. all the time. Yeah. Like, and, and I remember I was like, let me not bother him. But then I was like, no, my hesitation was, no, I actually want it, to, it's the most non-Mulholland Drive related thing. So yeah. I went up to him, I was like, hey, I don't want to bother you, man. I literally just watched uh, the pack two, uh, like, two nights ago, really. And he was just like, oh, cool. I was like, yeah. And then it just got awkward. I was like, I know Patrick. Well, we know each other through Twitter. I've never actually met him, but we have <laughs> I started like over explaining uh -huh. and he was just like, uh, oh, uh, oh, okay. And he just kind of like walked off. I'm like, oh, that was really awkward. Yeah. But, um, that's, that, that can yeah. happen where you, where you have that thing where you feel like you know someone, but you don't. And then you have to remind well, yourself that you don't. Speaking of how well, hardly, so well, at, 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 the old, at the old Tower Records once, Martin Donovan was like in the CD section looking for movies. And then I went up to him, and it was a, he saw me hesitate, which made it... So I was like, well, I have to go say something now. And at that time, he was on that show, The Weeds. So he's probably... Martin Donovan is probably, at that time, it's either the movie Saved or The Weeds. Oh. So I went up to him, I was just like, hey, man, I'm a big Hal Hartley guy. I think your performance in Trust is, like, one of the greatest. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, oh, thank you. It was like a genuine thank you. And then, like, a few minutes later, we saw each other again in the store, and he looked at me and, like, smirked. He was just like, oh, wow, that was really nice, what, what, what you said. He probably doesn't get a lot of Hal Hartley, uh, mm -hmm. like, pe random people on the street stopping him about, you know, Hal Hartley. So. Hell yeah. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end the show with this. One, y'all are invited any time to come back on. Seriously. Two, oh, man. It's not, an empty, it's not an empty invite. Anytime you guys want to come on. 
Even if it's something you're not promoting, just to shoot the shit or anything. Yeah, if you, you just want to talk yeah. about movies yeah. you like, let's come. Let, let's come on. More... No, that's great. Let's come on. Let's let's figure out some fun, you know, podcasty type uh, uh, topic to Absolutely. go through, and we'll come back on and just do something real specific, real surgical. Absolutely. Yes. And number two, the, as we're saying. Uh, you know, you think you know people, but but the existentialist in me says you can never really truly know somebody 100 percent because we can never, ever be anyone other than ourselves as close as we can get. But we can still derive meaning from it. And also to talk about having strange interactions with famous people. I, one time I was uh, in front of B&H photo. It was in the year 2003. I ran into Francis Ford Coppola. I said, hey, are you Francis Ford Coppola? And he was like, yes. And I was just like, I just want you to know that Rumblefish is the greatest film you ever made and it's top five greatest movies ever made. And then I just and then I just hightailed it out of there. <laughs> and I'm and I and and I meant that shit. And I meant that shit. All right, this is Zebras in America. Be safe out there.